Good morning, everyone. It is Friday. This is the Friday Grief Chat. We have stuff to talk about. I have to go take care of something, so you're going to get Deb by yourselves for a few moments. Keep her in line, okay? Just be super Everybody. careful. You never know what she's going to do. She does anything naughty, put it in the chat. I'll be back. Oh, thanks, Jill. Hi, everyone. Um, Let me just get started with saying uh, on a personal level, this is like the week of when my mom was dying about 23 years ago. And there is still to this very day, 23 days, 23 years later, where I still feel some of the feels that I felt each and every day. As I read other people's uh, blogs or other grief chat rooms or grief Facebook pages, I just want to emphasize again how important it is that you honor these are your feels. And one of the things I found out about and I and I look at is even though you're part of the same family, no two people have the same grief style. I don't know how you develop your grief style. I don't know how you personally, we develop them from outside influences, inside influences, things we want to do, things we never want to do. That's how you develop your grief style. However, however your grief style is, give yourself permission to just do your grief style. Okay. That's so important. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about grief styles and a wonderful book that Jill has mentioned before, and it's The Beauty of What Remains by, uh, is that Rabbi Steve Leader? Yes, it is. Wonderful. I'm a new fan. He's got several books out, but this one he wrote after the death of his dad. And he... Um, he said, you know, I've done a lot. I've done hundreds of funerals. I've sat through hundreds and thousands of deaths. But um, your attitude changes when you've actually done it yourself for someone you love. And yeah. uh, he's just got a lot of, of um, like, the wisdom we carry and that other people who do grief carry that we don't quite realize. But he put it in some really great ways. So You know, I want to yeah. bring that up and saying, because I was just saying how this week is – this and next week are two of the uh, more spacier times of the year for me. Mm -hmm. This is when, even though it was 23 years ago, and I have to get used to every year the same thing, and that's not a bad thing, that right. I'm still grieving. One of the hardest things I had to do while my mother had 14 days from diagnosis to death is this was my internal mechanism. Nurse, daughter, nurse, daughter, nurse, right. daughter, nurse, daughter. Right. And until you go through it, you don't know. And right. everybody takes that information in so differently. And they deal with it. And as I was saying while you were out of the room for a second, that even the same family members do not grieve the same. 
and they don't approach the death occurring the same. Exactly. And so my brother and I were just talking about this last night because I was there every day, almost 24-7, except for a few nights at home. And he was away in Wisconsin and he would come down two or three times a week and leave because he had to get back to his job. And I'm telling you, we had different grieving styles. And as you get older, if you have the opportunity to become closer with a family member, that doesn't always happen, especially after the family dies, the the matriarch or the patriarch, whatever, or both parents die. Um, My brother and I have had the opportunity to become closer. So he appreciates, he honors and respects what I go through, even though he did not go through the same thing. So take it away, Jill. Okay, well, I, I like this book because um, Rabbi Later has, of course, as a rabbi, as anyone in a faith tradition, as Deb, who who was a spiritual leader herself does, um, he's sat with lots of families at the, at the death process. He sat with families during um, sitting Shiva, which is a Jewish tradition of the seven days of, of mourning the loss. Um, he talks a lot about some of the Jewish faith traditions around loss that lots of us could probably use and that some of us do adapt. And, mm-hmm. and he talks about it like it is when I am talking with a family, when someone is getting ready to die and they've had a difficult relationship. One of the things I typically say is, you know, people die the way they live. And so if it has been difficult to be together, to be around each other, to be a family all this time, Hallmark is not going to come in and, you know, <laughs> drop the fairy dust and make everything okay. Elsa is not going to show up and make the ice castle pretty. It's going to still be the same way. Um, right. And he talks about um, how to help families say goodbye um, and to also prepare families for funerals. Um, and he talks about the funeral process as being the place where you can really say the things for the person who died, if they're willing to talk to you ahead of time, you know, Mm -hmm. what things do you want your family to know? So for, for those of us who are healthy and okay, or not healthy and not okay, we can write those things down and leave them for our families and leave some directions. But some of what he talks about too is, um, for instance, some of the Jewish traditions sitting Shiva, the goal of that is really um, to make sure that the family is supported. They're not supposed to leave the house if they're very, very observant. So for seven days, other people come in and take care of them from the community, which we can't do right now. And he wrote this and then rewrote it during the pandemic. So he brought in the pandemic in a way lots of writers haven't been able to. Um, and, you know, you that gives you that opportunity to feel cared about and loved and not engaged in phones and cooking and It just lets you be and absorb. And then he talks about the tradition that he still carries on with, which is when the rabbi shows up at the end of Shiva and leads the family in a walk around the block after Shiva is over, which is not something I've, I know lots of Jewish families. I've never heard that, but apparently um, in their congregation, they do engage in that. And that's literally sort of reintroducing the community to this family without that family member present, which is something that my mom did when my grandfather died. She um, 
my grandparents lived in a very small senior community. It was very cool. It was planted around community greens. It was low income because my grandfather was a retired minister and they make nothing, right? So very small community. And after someone's widowed, people tend to sort of do the avoidance thing because, mm-hmm. you know, I could be a widow soon or I don't want to be reminded of when I became a widow. So after about a month, a month, my mom said, we're not having this anymore. And we had a coming out party, not a rainbow coming out party to be sure. But um, we had a coming out party and we put sandwiches and we put invitations around, you know, the five or six closest community greens. And the other people in the community came by for a cup of lemonade and some cookies. And it was reintroducing Lily to the community without Elmer. Yes. And Lily started to blossom because Lily didn't have to worry about Elmer and his health anymore. And Lily could enjoy engaging. It's those kinds of things that I, it's practical. Of course, me, I'm boots on the ground. You are too. It talks about those processes. And it also puts, gives a lot of weight to families that have conflict. His father and his brother, the father's brother did not get along and it split the family, even though they lived on the same piece of property. For 40 years, mm-hmm. there was no communication mm-hmm. as they lived on the same property mm-hmm. and shared a business. And mm-hmm. so it talked about, you know, his sadness that his father didn't ever get to repair that relationship. His uncle died. His father had Alzheimer's. It never got discussed. And that wasn't something he could choose to continue to hold on to because it didn't do him and his family any good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And lots of us think, you know, a faith leader is going to say, no, you need to heal these things. You need people mm-hmm. bring them back together. If someone is that difficult, if that relationship is that conflicted, then you say goodbye to that relationship and you finish that part of the relationship on your own. And then you leave it be because you have another world to enter as if, as if it were the end of sitting Shiva and you were taking mm-hmm. that walk around the block. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I rarely get super excited about grief books because most of them are um, too theoretical and they have a lot of this research, that research and research is important, but I like boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? And, I like practical book, advice. His book is the one that says, this is how you can prepare for grief in terms of the emotion and the spiritual or not the spiritual. He doesn't insist on that either which I really like. Archie's saying this is so true. And Tina says, this is a lot of wisdom. And of course it is. He's been a rabbi for, I don't know, a thousand years or something. Mm-hmm. But um, if you go to his church, his um, he's the chief, he's the head rabbi at, um, where is that? The Wilshire Boulevard Temple in LA. And oh, I did stop okay. their site today. Uh-huh. And he's been writing messages every other week since the pandemic lockdown started for Shabbat. And, you know, that's a lot about the congregation, but there's a lot of of shared wisdom in there as well. So Mm -hmm. I I just thought we should, we should have this kind of thing to look at when there's a quote in here. I stayed up way too late um, doing this last night, but I don't care. I really don't. Um, He says, this is his part about doing the, um, the eulogy. I, In other words, in my discussion with the family, I asked them if he could be there tomorrow with all of you, 
if he could stand up there and look out at you and say something, what do you think it will be? And there is almost always a still moment of silence followed by someone saying, I know exactly what he would say. And then everyone else chimes in. And then the eulogy writes itself because that person is present for the eulogy mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. writes their own eulogy. Um, he's also got something in here that um, in his la the last chapter, it's a kind of a breathing exercise. And I think we should probably maybe depending on where we go today, close with it. Cause I really, really like it. I love that. And I'm going to kind of adopt it because it's super cool, but he talks about the way other people have died. He talks about saying goodbye to people mm -hmm. and very practically, you know, someone knew they were going to die and mm -hmm. he went over and he didn't look back when he left because he knew that was the end of that relationship. And the mm -hmm. next time you see that person, they were going to be in a casket in front of him at mm -hmm. the mortuary. So I, I like the practical. I like when people can talk openly. You do too. Um, so, and, and it comes from everybody loves this book. Aaron Sorkin loves this book. Um, the Chopras like this book. Uh, Bishop, like everybody likes this book with very good reason. Wow. I, yeah. I, I love practical and what I, not airy theory, meaning in theory, you know, and as many people as well as my clients know, I do not like to be positive. I like to be present. And last night in a humor talk, I talked about one of the funerals that I for, I was the officiant. And I remember asking the family, as I often do, so did they ever make you laugh? Well, let's call her Aunt B. No was the correct answer. I mean, people were like, oh, and they're looking at each other. And I said, so tell me a little bit more about this person. Well, in the funeral, at the funeral, I had people raise their hand. How many here were ever amused by uh, Aunt B. Did she make you laugh? Nobody raised their hand. How many had things going on there in their head that they would have liked to say to Aunt B, but are inappropriate for this moment? And everybody's <laughs> raising their hand. But it was a way of bringing everybody together. And it was probably 25 years ago, I personally learned about People don't, on their deathbeds, you don't necessarily mend anything. And my mother... You like to. You, well, but ideally, you can't. you can't. So in our family, my mother hadn't spoken to my her brother in 20 years. I don't know what the whole deal was, but she hadn't spoken. She gets a knock on the door. Are you Shirley Meyer Epstein? Yes. Well, your brother has named you medical power of attorney and power of attorney. And here and went through, he had had a stroke. He laid in his own house for 10 days till the mailman figured it out. And wow. then they had, and so now he has pneumonia and all these things. So I said, and I won't use the full word here, but I said, wow, when you went to see him, how did that go? And my mom chided me. She goes, you're just like your brother. 
we are, his name was Seymour. We are never going to be friends. Never. And she said, once an a-hole, <laughs> always one. And so, you know, just, I'm not saying it can't happen. I have seen things with people who have had strokes, their whole personality, all of a sudden they're a pleasant person. Right. I have seen that. But that is, you can pray for a miracle, but it might not be the miracle you were hoping for. Hoping for. <laughs> that happens with and, dementia as well, too. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And so I, I just want to say I learned my lesson. Mm -hmm. You don't get to repair. If you can't repair things in your life, it doesn't necessarily happen. I mean, you remember Orson Welles in Citizen Kane on his deathbed, right? The only thing he says is rosebud, you know? <laughs> and it's some obscure word that was his sled, things that something he loved as a child. Mm -hmm. You know, it just doesn't happen. And as a nurse, I have taken care of a lot of people, uh, not quite on their deathbed, but definitely barely functioning. And they haven't been the pleasantest people to be around. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I I totally agree. And you can, it's possible for the family to come to some healing. And, you know, mm -hmm. even if the person who is the focus of the moment is not willing to do it. It's mm -hmm. possible to take yourselves out of that moment, even meet in another room if you happen to be lucky enough to be together after the COVID pandemic. But mm -hmm. you can also do it together online or by phone. You can do those things recognizing that you're going to be reorganizing your family for after this person is no longer with you. Right. Right. And so it's time to start looking at how are we going to make this work in the, in the, in the future for ourselves and to or are you gonna make it work for all of you. And also, do you want to participate in making it work? Which brings me, I'm just going to slide off to the side with another comment. Um, sometimes, you know, you say goodbye to different relationships, whether it's an illegal ex, whether it's girlfriends, male friends, whatever. And then you find out uh, the person that you have separated from, their family member dies. I have one person, we're not friends anymore, but one person was very angry with me that I told a person she had split from and that person sent a card. I always say to the person who's questioning, what does your heart say? If your heart says send a condolence card, even though you don't speak to that person, you have no interest at the moment of speaking with that other person that you split from, if your heart says to send a condolence card, do it. This Absolutely. is like, you don't have to be close to someone or even like someone. If you recognize that someone has had a loss, mm -hmm. they've still had a loss and you can still recognize it and do something kind for them. Exactly. And even if they never get back to you, that's not the point. The point it's, is that you're reaching out. 
you're reaching out because in your heart, you feel that it is appropriate, not judging if you get one back from them, to reach out to that person to offer a condolence of some sort. Absolutely. I actually keep a collection of um, not your typical sympathy cards at the house because I don't like the ones that say, oh, and they've gone on and there's a beautiful, you know, pine tree and aren't you, I don't do those. I do mm -hmm. ones that say, um, I'm here for you or I'm so sorry or something. They're very simple. They're not flowery. Right. Because that's not me. Um, unless it's a pet, in which case there's a picture of the rainbow bridge with everybody on it. Because when you lose a pet, it's a different kind of thing as far as I'm it concerned. It is. But I mm -hmm. keep them. And if I just hear that someone I know has had a lot, I don't know them well, but they matter enough to them for them to announce that they've had that loss. That's the right. The card will typically get dropped in the mail. You know, and if it's somebody that I do know and care about, it's going to have a lot more words inside. Exactly. And I'm one of those, I don't send a condolence right away. I have to sit, like this week, um, very unexpectedly, two people died. And one was a death colleague who would often put on death cafes in our community. And I was part of that. And... Um, her partner, I haven't sent something to yet because I'm just waiting for that moment, if that makes sense. I'm Sometimes waiting. You got to find the right words and the right. Exactly. You got to have the, this and then they'll know that you really meant it. Exactly. And. I, but there are lots of ways for all of us to acknowledge losses. That's Even right. in the pandemic, which I know some states are opening up. I hope you're if you're in those states, you're being super, super careful because I have my own feelings about opening up, um, which is not part of this program, but it's certainly part of me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I I hope that you are keeping yourself safe, but we can still acknowledge the losses. And I think one of the things we need to think about, there was an article in. I want to say the New York Times or the Post or something yesterday, and somebody has come up with yet another term. Um, someone with lots of letters behind their name. And it, it's a it's a fairly decent term, but it's basically talking about there's a grief deficit now, which is not how oh, I, I looked I at it, that. right? Right, I, I, I saw the term. I I'm not sure I like the deficit, but the, art, the idea was there's so much grief. Like how much does each of us have to give at this point in time with everything everyone's been through? How much That's do we nice. all have left to give? And right. how are we going to do that? And we've had all these funerals by Zoom and, you know, with 10 people there, which is something that Rabbi later talks about. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a funeral because you can't touch. We've talked about it, too. And I think instead of looking at it as a, a deficit, which I, I don't like, because mm -hmm. I think we've all got a little something more we can dig down deep and find. I think we just need to all be ready for as as the gates roll back, if we don't have yet another wave with yet another strain of yet another form of COVID with more sp spikes turning different colors or whatever it's doing these days, because <laughs> right? it just seems to always come out with something new. Um, let's find a way to make sure that we have some redos so that mm -hmm. folks can have those services or those gatherings or something, or even mm -hmm. those walks around the block. I love 
uh, I, I love, love that. Concept. I mm -hmm. love that concept. I'm hoping I will be reading that book before I do a couple other things. But I want to say something. Um, there was something on my uh, Facebook page about cultural appropriation. If there is a ceremony that you give credit to, right? like, I don't care if you are, you know, Episcopalian, if it feels right to buy a Yartzeit candle, which is you get, they burn 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Shiva candles actually burn eight days and eight nights. It's sort of like a Hanukkah thing. I don't know, but it burns eight days and eight nights. But a Shiva candle, um, a yardside candle burns for 24 hours to take that time to honor that person or see the light and think of them. When I went to Japan and stayed with my friend, it was going to be the anniversary of uh, his dad's death, the one year anniversary. And I thought, I'm bringing a yardside candle in my uh, luggage to give to him, and he set up like a little altar thing. So now, cultural appropriation, you took something from the Jews, you set up a little altar, which name your religion that did that, right? Jews, Catholics have altars, uh, pagan and Wiccan all have altars. So there's all these different religions. Do what feels right to you and do it with a earnest and open heart and give credit where credit is due and you cannot do any better than that exactly and i learned something about the the oil um from this book too he's got a lot of little bits which i uh-huh you know me i collect the little bits yeah um the reason that the oil was made from and this is according to the traditions he says from olive oil is because when you shred and stomp and destroy an olive to get the oil out of it, you can see the light from it <gasps> for so much longer. So you can, it's the, the image of you can take a, you can take what's been a very tough time yes. and do something beautiful with that. And um, that's where the light comes from is the olive oil and the olives have been stomped and shredded and, and abused right. and mashed, and then they create a light that lights your way. And I, yes. I, I love oh, that's that image. beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That is really gorgeous. There's a lot of different things. I was talking to somebody else this week who's had a loss at the beginning of all this. And, of course, everybody's been far away since then. So, you know, I think what we're going to need to do is plan a picnic or a barbecue when this is all over to reintroduce you to your yes. friends and neighbors as you, not as a couple. That's and right. To show them that you can keep your other half as mm -hmm. an active memory and as part of your life, but you're out here functioning on your own and you are your own person, mm -hmm. right? With, with your own autonomy um, and that you're okay. And it's okay to talk about um, people and, and to bring up their names. And it's, it's going to be okay if you, if you say them out loud while you're having a rib, right? That's right. That's right. You can talk about it. I I like the in-between stage of 
who are you without that person? Mm-hmm. And then reintroducing yourself. There was yeah. a there was a mortuary in um, Houston where I did a grief talk. Um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I flew to Houston, and all the warnings at the airport were about Nigeria and yeah, somewhere in South America. I don't know. There there were big warning signs about going there and coming back from and and 24 hours later getting on the flight back from houston it was covid and pictures of spikes and cover your cough and we've put hand sanitizers everywhere it was a a completely different world in 24 hours but while i while i was at this um, mortuary it was a very fancy mortuary oh my goodness was it they put crystal glasses out for the water for folks who were coming to the talk it was not your typical Jill Mortimer. No. Right? And they had created something so that when people have simple cremations, they still feel like they can have a gathering. So they called it canapes and cremation. <laughs> and they would have, you know, suits and tails serving canapes and champagne. And then the the honored guest was in their urn. And um, it had lots of rooms. It had like a library in it. It was, it was an incredible building, truly, um, built just for these occasions. And they had a grand piano. I don't know if it was a Steinway. I was afraid to look. But, you know, they had this whole thing where people could come and just hang out. It was, you know, a four-hour version of sitting Shiva, but with really good food right. and, and champagne. Right? Right. But it was right. initiating the thought of let's celebrate the life. And let's give the grieving family their support, but let them laugh too. Because those are the moments where you get to laugh about the things that they did that made you laugh and that made you you. I I love that idea. They unfortunately apparently trademarked that. So, Ah, but I'm going to still say it out loud because I can do that. You can (laughs) do that. Um, Jill, if you don't mind, as we're coming to a close here, can we do that meditation or that? We can. And forgive me, everyone. I had an accident this morning and um, slipped and did something terrible to my face. So um, that is why I'm sitting in this weird position and fumbling around one handed. I apologize. But, you know, stuff happens. Okay, so this is something he does with folks um, on the holiest day of the year um, to bring their loved ones back into um, to mind, the ones who've lost. So that someone. would be Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Is, this could this would be appropriate for All Souls Day too, in other churches. Right. But yeah. it's also appropriate just if you need a meditation moment to think about someone you've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so all credit to Rabbi Later for this. I am borrowing it from him. Um, it is his work, but he published it, so I'm borrowing it. So he said, "Close your eyes." Close your eyes and breathe in deeply. Breathe out and relax. Breathe in deeply again. Breathe in peace. Breathe in quiet. Now put yourself in your mind's eye in a comfortable room in your home or wherever you choose and invite into that room a loved one who has died. Bring him to life again in your mind. Bring her to life again in your mind, in your memory. See her, 
see her skin, her hair, feel his whiskers against your cheek, see his smile and his eyes, be with her, speak to her, tell her what you wish for, give her your blessing. Now allow her to leave the room. Be with him, speak to him, tell him what you wish for him, give him your blessing. Now allow him to leave the room. Breathe deeply and when you are ready, open your eyes. Oh, that was beautiful. Isn't that incredible? That's right. just beautiful. Credit to the rabbi for it. I'm going to uh -huh. use it again. I, I use versions of that with people sometimes when I want them to bring in the memory of their loved one, but I like the guided imagery piece of that. Uh -huh. I think it's something lots of us can use sometimes to, it's okay, I can remember them and I can remember them for who they were uh -huh. and say the things I need to say and I don't have to hold on how they died. That's right. It's not about their death. It's about who they were and my relationship to them. Mm -hmm. All of it. Mm -hmm. The funny. Right. Archie says he's going to try it. He's going to cry. That's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> you remember yeah. the, the happy moments. You remember the happy them. You remember the silly them. You remember the irritating them. Right. <laughs> my mother used to say. You're going to miss our arguments. I said, no, I'm not. But I was riding in the car one time with um, my friend's parents because he didn't want to ride in that car. And they were arguing and they're arguing in Russian. And all of a sudden they're arguing, arguing. And I go, oh, I I do miss this banter. I'm yes. glad it's not my parents. You were right, mom, I said in my head. And then I let it go. But yeah. Yeah. Word to the wise, mom is always right. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was raised in a campfire girl troop in part in my tribe. And uh, Monica Singer, who is always Mrs. Singer, even though she keeps telling us now to call us Mon to call her Monica. I'm like, yeah, no, we're you're still Mrs. Singer. We're still right, respectful right. and afraid. And she would say, There are two two rules. Mother is always right. Number two, when mother is wrong, refer to rule number one. <laughs> don't mess with that it's in the rule right. book even right. after mom is dead mom is right right you know even when you have those contentious relationships whether it was your mother father brother sister aunt uncle whatever even when you have those contentious relationships i invite people to find even if they're to just look back on one of those arguments with a little more light, or as I say, reframing and opening up your view, just one. And sometimes that's all it takes to for you to feel good. You're not aiming to repair the relationship, but you are aiming for you to feel better. And to close it out. And to close it out and to say, it's okay to say goodbye. Because you don't have to have it. Yeah, if you continue to try and rework it, you never say goodbye to it. No, it's no. It's always right there riding around with you. 
It is. It's not healthy. No. And then people feel it in their hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like heavy and you do, and you're like, what? So the sooner you can let it go with the butterflies and fly away, mm -hmm. the better for you, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Well, oh, Jill, this has been wonderful. It you're has. Gonna, um, I don't know with one hand. If I put can. it up already. All the right. Thank you. It's been Thank up all you. along. So um, you can find us here again next week. You can find me at centralcounselingservices.com and jilljohnsonyoung.com. And you can find Deborah on all the social media. We'll tell them yours. Well, it's Deborah Joy Hart on Facebook. You can private message me. I am on Instagram. I don't go there that much. And I, I think I might have set up a Twitter account a bazillion years ago. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. People are, I, I just, I'm just not able to. You're not TikToking yet, huh? Uh, <laughs> no. I have a TikTok now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Be afraid, well, everyone. Be very afraid, the grief TikToker. Oh, I love it. I love right? it. I'm going to have to check TikTok. that out. There's only one video yet. Yeah, and you can also find me at uh, therebelliouswidow.com because Jill never has enough social media. <laughs> we can always talk grief loss and how to make it good we will right. see you guys back here next friday 10 o'clock pacific and all the way across the country yes bye everybody be well <laughs>